0: What is up, everybody? This is Hunter Williams. Today is going to be episode 75 of the NeuroEdge podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. The name of today's episode is Six Ways Screen Time Affects Your Brain. This is something I've been thinking about lately, especially because I've been really busy with work and having to do a lot on the computer screen. And even though I don't necessarily track every minute and hour that I am on a screen, I have noticed it has substantial effect on your eye health and your brain health and everything. So what I did today was just compile some different facts and studies that show how being on a screen can actually affect our brain and our mind and how it affects us just biologically. It's something I think we take for granted, especially depending on what type of job you do, you might be in front of a screen. I think even if you were in some type of manual labor job, being On a screen is just going to be a part of our daily life today if you live in the first row, depending on what your economic job is. And even if it's not, most likely you have a cell phone, that you have screen time there. So as much as we can try to avoid it and be a Luddite, which is where you are someone that completely shuns technology for life, dealing with screens is something that we're going to have to do. So what I want to talk about is just how to be more conscious and more present of how you are using your screens in your life and then understand the repercussions that might come with having too much screen time and how it can negatively affect your health and how to balance out being on a screen versus not and how it can actually make a difference in your life so i think it's really important and again i'm just going to break down a few different things that can kind of affect how your brain reacts to being on a screen time because if you think about it it's not super natural Not supernatural, but not very natural for our brains to be on a screen. We didn't go through thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years of history looking at screens. So it's just not something that our brain is really evolved to do. So that being said, before I jump in, as always, if you want to join the community and be on the inside, be an insider into what this looks like behind the scenes and getting to learn some really cutting-edge info that I don't necessarily talk about, On the podcast, head over on to the Facebook group. It is called The Frontier, Elite Tactics to Unlock Superhuman Performance. And you can come on, be a member there. And it's 100% free, but I want to have a really small community of people that are like-minded. So I don't accept everybody. It's just for people that are, like myself, looking to strive to be the highest performer possible and use different health and wellness techniques in order to do so. So go ahead and check that out. But let's jump into it. So Screen time. Now, before I jump into the different ways, I just want to talk about how human the human brain is not necessarily something that has really dealt with screen time for a long time. If you think about it, I don't think the first TV came out to, until the 1940s or 50s, and then even the computer really became mainstream not until... I guess you could say the 80s when the Mac came out, but really where it was in everybody's household was the 90s and then even the internet didn't really become prevalent in everyone's household until the early 2000s when you had dial up and then eventually broadband, DSL, and now fiber optic internet that we have. So if you think about it, this revolution of screen time, in the last 30 years really, we've undergone a massive shift in the amount of time our eyes and our brain are processing data from a screen. And if you look at all throughout human history, I don't think ever before there's been cataclysmic things that have happened, but I don't think ever before we've had such a dramatic shift in the amount of hours in the day that we're actually changing the way our brain processes information. A lot of times, and you, you look at the invention of the book, the printing press was invented in, I think, the 1400s when that came out. or might have been the 1500s when that came out. That slowly, over decades and centuries actually changed the way people consume information. And people became more literate and they were able to process it better. But even that was on something that was natural. We weren't getting artificial light from a screen. So I just want you to think about this as, it's sometimes hard to see the forest for the trees, but think about what we are in. It's truly unique in the sense that we haven't been looking at screens the way that we do. And I know sometimes for me, it can be 8, 10, 12 hours a day, depending on how busy I am with work. We haven't been in that sort of an environment for thousands of years. That's really just an invention of the last 30 years. So as with everything that is going on in our world today, it seems like there is a rapidly rapidly increasing pace to how things evolve. We need to be conscious of this, especially in regards to our biology and how our biology interacts with this technology and especially screens because that's something that can have deleterious effects to our health. It's something that we need to be conscious of that we make sure that we – are on guard against it and we don't let it overtake us and consume us and then before we know it we have a host of different health side effects and everything from that so I just wanted to get that out there and really think about what we are in as humans is something that is truly different than anything that has happened in the last thousands of years and especially if you think about up until really 50 60 years ago most people were outside during the day they were doing things that were regarded were related to manual labor moving around during the day, and if you look at today's modern society, much of that has shifted from an agrarian, industrial-type economy to one that is more information-based, where we are processing data. So it's very important to understand that, and what you're gonna see that I'm gonna talk about today is also shaping how the next generation of humans coming up, so people that are born now, young kids, babies, young kids, infants, teenagers, that are coming into the world now, how their brains are actually developing differently, which is also interesting because it can be looked at as almost, I wouldn't say a bifurcation of the species, but almost a rapid microevolution of the species how, from how our brains are actually changing and processing different. Whether it's good or bad, that's not for me to decide. I don't think you can, that's a philosophical debate and I just want to kind of get into how it affects it. But that's something you have to decide for yourself and as a free, independent, sovereign individual that is on this planet right now at this very moment in time. You have to make a decision for yourself what you want to do with your life. So, now that sounds kind of weighty and heavy, but just wanted to throw that in there. So, let's jump into this, and I'm just going to kind of walk through some studies. So, number one is, and this one is related to children. So, it is very well known now, even with a brief amount of scientific data, and again, this is a very small sample size if you just consider the last 10 or 15 years that this has even been studied, but... Heavy use of wireless devices actually changes the brain structure in children. And let me explain. In the largest long term study of brain development and youth health in the US, it was called the Ag- Adolescent Brain Cognitive Development ABCD. Easy enough, it's a lot easier to say ABCD. Uh, reveals the brains of most prolific users of electronic devices look different compared to those who use smartphones, tablets, and video games less frequently. So when they are actually doing brain scans of adolescents and they're just studying more adolescents uh, in this instance through the ABCD study, their brains are actually physically different, not different in the sense of, oh, they have different ideas or they're different personalities, which is something that is also, that we'll see later as I go through this true, their biochemical actual tangible makeup of their brain in brain scans is different. So in all, more than 11,000 children, are going to be followed for a decade to assess how various child experiences, environments affect brain development, and psychological health. And these researchers also know the data will provide a resource of unprecedented scale and depth for studying typical and atypical development. Um, in the preliminary findings, so based on the brain scans of 4,509 9 and 10-year-olds, It revealed that children who use electronic devices for seven hours or more each day, which when you think about it, you're like, oh, I would never use a device for more than seven hours each day. I guarantee you because I know it to myself in my personal experience, I would think, man, I'm working for seven hours a day. But that work includes screen time. A lot of time where I'm engrossed in a screen, whether that's sending emails, messages on your phone, doing whatever, or just using your phone in a leisurely manner or just browsing the internet, whatever. But anyway, think about that. So seven hours a day, which is kind of, Disconcerting when you look at it, because that's those seven hours a day, they add up over time, minutes here, minutes there, and before you know it, you have been on your device for seven hours a day. But again, children nine to 10 years old who use electronic devices for more than seven hours a day have premature thinning of the brain cortex, which is the outer layer of the brain that processes information from the five physical senses. So think about that. Seven hours of screen time more per day in nine to 10 year olds, have premature thinning of their brain cortex, which is the layer of our brain that helps process sensory data. So one can infer from that that the ability of these children as they grow up and their brain development goes. And I don't know, I'd have to back this up, but I've heard that your brain develops until you're 25. I would think your brain develops your whole life because you're always creating new neural pathways throughout your life. But anyway, they are having thinning of their brain cortex which affects sensory input so how they see touch smell so they're actually getting a different experience as a human because everything we experience as a human is through our sensory input sight touch taste sound all of that smell is affected because of overuse of screens Um, the study said the exact ramifications are still unknown According to Dr. Gaia Dowling, who is a researcher at the NIH, National Institute of Health, which is sponsoring the $300 million study, thinning of the cortex is thought to be part of the brain maturation process. So what these scans are showing is that the process is being sped up in children who get a lot of screen time, which, again, I'm not a scientist. I don't know whether that would necessarily be good or bad. I couldn't imagine it would be good. But, um, again, they can't prove definitively that this is caused by screen time, but one would have to guess that it is, and the full effects won't be known until years from now as they follow these children that they undertook in the study. Um, But the preliminary results based on statistical analysis of the study and everything suggest that as little as two hours of screen time per day will impact cognition, resulting in lower scores on thinking and language tests. So think about that as children grow up and their interface becomes more with a screen rather than other humans around them, their ability to think on language and reasoning tests is being impaired. What does that mean for the future of humans? What does that mean for the future of the human brain and where we go as a society as we continue to be in screens? Maybe it's a better thing. I really hope it is. But you would have to wonder, is this a good thing for the future of humanity to have so much screen time that it's affecting and impairing cognitive function to help build civilization to where we're gonna go. And I know that sounds kind of heavy, but we gotta think about the long-term consequences of this. Um, With that one, again, up to age two, so this is more studies in younger people in this population, live presentations are far superior for language processing and learning compared to video presentations. So a lot of kids now, when they're infants, the parents will give them a iPad or whatever, and unfortunately, their brain does not develop in a way that is beneficial as opposed to actually having what they call contingent interaction. So that's the interaction with another human and learning and picking up that way. Because as humans, we have mirror neurons and what we do is we mirror back what we learn from other humans. That's what we all do. When we're infants, up until we're adults, we see what other people are doing around us and we take that and input it into our brain and then synthesize new data based on that. Um, for instance, the example they gave in the study was the ability to play with virtual Legos does not transfer over to the skill of manipulating real Lego blocks. Think about that for a second. So the ability to reason in the virtual world with Legos does not necessarily translate into our physical realm with Lego blocks. And again, you got to wonder about how the species is evolving and how actually reality is changing around us as these things are happening. Um, But... Uh, previous guidelines developed by the popular of iPads and smartphone apps designed for young children discourage all screen time for children under the age of 2 and a rec- um, limit of 2 hours of screen time for kids older than 2. So even before the age of 2, they are recommending no screen time whatsoever because, again, that is when your brain is most malleable at that age and most impressionable to what's going on around you. And these studies are actually recommending that children below the age of 2 don't even have screen time whatsoever. So I don't have kids. That's not something that... I am necessarily worried about myself, but you gotta wonder in the case of humanity, it's so much easier for a parent to give a child a device and say, hey, take this, but what are the long-term consequences of society as a whole when everyone is doing that and this is how the new brain is developing in the future. So I thought that was pretty interesting in just a way and just as a side note for my own personal experience, I was at a conference two years ago And I won't get into a bunch of the details. But basically the CEO of one of the biggest tech companies in the world was at a conference. And someone asked him, what are they studying for the future? And this was 2018, I believe. And he said, we are looking at the development of the human brain because it is changing in children. So they were studying that about how to make their product better, I guess, sell more, whatever it was, in relation to the changing human brain because they knew in the future – those were going to be their customers. So how do they change their product to more interrelate with the changing human brain? I didn't say that. That was the CEO of one of the bigger software companies in the world. So number two, how uh, screen time affects this. It is actually designed to be addictive. And I don't know if you've heard of this guy. His name is Tristan Harris. He used to be a Google employee, but he's been on a bunch of different podcasts. Sam Harris, I'm sure Joe Rogan and all that stuff. Uh, but anyway, he said that Harris... Describes, working at Google, they basically designed all of their systems to be like a slot machine. Where you get a constant dopamine hit and you get just enough where you want to keep coming back. So it's not over flooding it per se, where you're just completely zonked out and then you want to go away. It's just a little bit over time. What happens over time is you get a little bit more addicted and a little bit more addicted. And that's the goal of a lot of the platforms that are built on these screens um, through digital media. But... When you're on screens, these are the platforms you're on, and they're designed to be highly addictive. So not only are you on screens, you're also on platforms that are designed to hook you in and give you just enough dopamine where you keep coming back and you keep coming back. Um, But he said Google discovered a way to embed the reward system to the apps on their phone. Uh, He described the processes known as brain hacking, where they would come up again with these different ways that they would use the technology to kind of Hook your brain in and use the primal instinct that our brains have developed over thousands of years to get you addicted to their platform. Which is their goal as a company to sell more and become the biggest company possible. Um, things like Facebook likes, Instagram likes, streaks on Snapchat, all these different things are designed to keep us coming back. And again, they're, they've been designed to hook into the most primal parts of your brain that crave attention, desire, and all these different things. But it's all surface level because it is through a screen rather than in person-to-person. Person. Um, but. Triggering uh, when we are on these things, it triggers the release of dopamine, a neurochemical involving cravings, and desire that promotes impulsive and compulsive behavior. So again, the more that we use these things, the more that we integrate them in our lives, they create more impulsive and compulsive behavior. So again, whether it's good or bad, that's not for me to decide, but as an individual being that's in control 100% of your life, think about that and think about how it's affecting the decisions you're making and the reality you're creating around yourself. Number three, and this is going to be a big one, and I talk about it all the time, sleep deprivation. Screen time is linked to sleep deprivation. So the radiation alone from our phones is a significant hazard and is known to disrupt sleep. Um, Plus, if you have your phone on in your room while it's going off and while you're sleeping, uh, ping messages and other notifications are bound to interrupt your sleep. Um, So you have that. You have the actual physical aspect of getting messages and emails and things. When you're sleeping, if your phone's in your room and you know it's on, I don't whether it's going off, vibrating, or whatever. Even the fact of having your phone in your room. So there's a guy named Alan Mishra who is a researcher at Stanford Medical Researcher, and he was at this conference that I was talking about as well, but he discussed the importance of removing your phone from your bedroom because even the fact of your phone being in your room, even if it's off, your body still has a subconscious knowledge that something could attract our attention that we need to do. And it's kind of, again, tied into that primal part of the human brain. Um, There's a bunch of different ways, and I've talked about this a lot in other podcasts, so you can go check out ones on sleep and stuff that I have. Um, But basically, when our phones are around us when we're sleeping, whether we're looking at blue light before we're going to bed or the phones in the room, we're getting microwave radiation, which can affect melatonin levels, which affects our circadian rhythm and sleep-wake cycle. It also is... uh, been discovered that just one hour for just one hour a day for one month caused rats to experience a delay of entering rapid eye movement while on a phone before going to sleep so if you're on a phone at least an hour before bed it's going to disturb uh disrupt and disturb rem sleep which is the most most restorative and deep sleep that we have also uh, the 1.8 gigahertz frequency uh, which is the cell phone frequency Affected rat's circadian rhythm and decreased their daily production of melatonin and also affected superoxide dismutase and glutathione peroxidase, which uh, help prevent cellular damage. Um, Just a couple more quick stats with this. Uh, Sleep deprivation among teenagers between 1991 and 2015 rose 57%. So again, how is this affecting the actual structure of our brain? We'll look at teenagers, and especially if they are tied into devices now. I know as I was going through being a teen, that was something that became really prevalent. But between 91 and 2015, 57% increase in sleep disruption, whereas a lot of teens may get seven hours a night of sleep, and really they should be getting anywhere between eight to 10 because you're growing so much during those ages. So again, I talk about it all the time, but... When you are on screen time, it is going to have an effect on your sleep and your melatonin levels, which is going to affect mitochondrial function. Number four, and this is a little bit more of a soft effect, but it is definitely an effect. Smartphone use has altered our social interaction. And look no further than COVID to kind of see how this has played out, where a lot of people are not gathering together and having the same sort of social interaction that they're used to having. Um, But they've had a tremendous impact not only on our Interaction as adults, but on youth interaction, if you look, a lot of kids now, they prefer to text. They prefer to be on their phone. So this one is a little bit harder to quantify from a scientific study standpoint. Um, However, in my research, I did find this. And you can kind of look at the social interaction between teens dating. So in 2015, 56% of high school seniors dated, so they had a boyfriend or girlfriend, 30% less than boomers and Gen Xers. And also sexual activity has declined down about 40% since 1991, resulting in a 67% drop in teen pregnancy rates. So it's good from the teen pregnancy rate standpoint, but also an indication of how this communication interaction and social fabric of society is altering to reflect more of a digital age. Again, whether it's good or bad, we don't know, but we do know that humans thrive when we are in groups of people and we have social interaction among people and you're not getting the same sort of biochemical reaction in your body when you are interacting online. And if you're listening to this, you're probably listening to some format online, whether it's the video or the podcast. So again, just be conscious of that and know that you need to have that built into your life that you are experiencing the real world because this is that's our body that is in the vehicle and how our mind experiences that reality. Number five is going to be depression and suicide risk, and this is something that is really sad. It's um, especially with young adults. But um, there was a study from uh, Monitoring the Future survey reveals the more time teens spend online, the unhappier they are, and those who spend more than uh, more time online than in in-person relationships are far, micro- far more likely to be reported as less happy. Um, a couple more statistics. Depressive symptoms among boys rose by 21% just between 2012 and 2015. So think about that. Just in those three brief years when you really saw an explosion of social media and digital media and screen time take off, depressive symptoms rose by 21%. What are the long-term consequences? Because as that starts to compound, even if it's just 21%, you know how compound interest works. It kind of builds on itself. Um, also, data suggests that spending three or more hours each day on a less Electronic devices raises a teen suicide risk by 35%. So even though it's 35% just being on three hours, I think everybody in America now is probably, especially given COVID with everything being on lockdown, it's probably on screen time for 30, three, three or more hours a day. So again, you have to be on guard against that as far as how it's affecting your psychology and your physiology. Um, also between 2017 and 2015, the suicide rate for 12 to 14-year-old girls rose three times, so 300%, and also the suicide rate among boys doubled in the same time frame, and whether it's causation or correlation, that's definitely the time frame that you saw a lot of screen time, social media use, and all this stuff really come to the forefront, and uh, also there was a study at the University of Pennsylvania that uh, students were... Just asked to use social media as normal. And then also there are other ones that were limited to 30 minutes per day. And on average, the ones that limited to 30 minutes per day or less reported being much happier just in a 30-day study. So think about that. If you can just get off of social media and different things, at least things that are not pushing you towards more of a positive mindset and positive outlook on life or learning. It's going to affect and it, that's kind of inherent in those systems because it creates a want for you to have the life that somebody else does and lastly these devices trigger anxiety depression and not only that but memory problems so i talked a little bit about the depression um, but basically what happens is and i talked about this in one of the previous episodes recently is that when we were around cell phones and different things that emit wi-fi and screens Um, We have these things in our cells called voltage-gated calcium channels. And these are in the membrane in our cell. And what happens is when we're around this microwave radiation, our cell gets flooded with calcium ions and a host of different free radicals. And what happens is it affects our mitochondria. So our mitochondria are less healthy. Thereby, our whole body is less healthy because the mitochondria are the building blocks for how we produce energy and how we have life as a human. So this is going to affect our brain because the highest concentration of voltage-gated calcium channels are in the brain so when you're around to these things a lot of day our brain is going to be most affected by them and then it's going to cause a host of problems with our brain related to cognitive function how we see the world and then also how we process information so um, what happens is uh, there was a guy who wrote a book who said that millennials are experiencing greater problems, with forgetfulness than seniors um, because of the increase in screen time they had. And aside from reduced cortical thickness, which is what I talked about earlier, that sensory area around the brain, um, long-term internet use has been linked to a loss of white matter and impaired cognitive functioning. So again, we see that the... Screen time, but also the Wi-Fi and radiation that you're getting from being on devices with screens is actually affecting affecting your brain at a cellular level and getting in there and can be causing different structures in your brain to change, which is going to affect the function of your brain as a whole. So not to scare anybody, but I just want to enlighten you and help explain how some of these things are actually affecting your life and how what are the long term implications of this? Because. Maybe it's not so bad today, but what is it going to look like as humans change and as the structure of the human brain changes over time? How are we going to adjust to that and what questions are we going to have to ask in society? So again, not good or not bad, probably not good for your health, but in terms of the philosophical debate about these things, how does it affect how the human brain works and where we go from here? So just some questions for thought today, if you have any feedback or anything like that about uh, different ways that you have screen time I know I am trying to be more conscious and do everything I can at least with my work to not be on as much as possible or at least have some defenses and biohacks up against it but if you have any ideas let me know and I will talk to you guys on the next one peace